So now we're talking about building, and there's several times, multiple times in God's Word when He talks about building. Uh, first scripture that comes to my mind is 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, God tells us, we read Luke 14, it talked about the foundation. If you're going to build whatever you're going to build, you've got to make sure you got the proper foundation. 1 Corinthians 3 says, Greater foundation can no man lay than that which is laid. God's already established the foundation of our building, of our tower. And in 1 Corinthians 3, it says that foundation is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation. So until you come to know Jesus Christ, until you're united to his life, we cannot build a tower for God. God's got to build his tower through us. It's got to be us cooperating with Christ's life through us that the work is accomplished. And so the foundation is Jesus Christ. Now it tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, when we're building, by the way, this tower is our life, it's our soul, it's our character, it's our person. God is preparing us for eternity. Uh, Our life in this world, uh, it says our life in this world is just like a vapor. We're here one moment, we're going the next. But what little time we do have here, God's preparing us for eternity And so in our character and in our soul and in our person, uh, in this tower building process, God is preparing us for what he's got in mind for all eternity, not just this this life. Amen. Now, 1 Corinthians uh, 3 talks about speaking to believers. Take heed how you build. Take heed how you build. It says very possible as a believer to be building with wood, hay, and stubble, and it's t- he tells us in First Corinthians three that every one of us as believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's actually uh, the Greek word is bema, the bema seat of Christ, and it says we will all give an account as believers as to this building that's going on, the house, building of the house, building of the tower. Now, my life verse. Everything in my life, ever since I was 18 years old and a couple of years into uh, my pilgrimage with the Lord, has been built around one verse in the Psalms. Most of you probably already know it. And I, uh, my children already know, uh, uh, Vicki and I will be up there at Coleman Cemetery where Dan Johnson was buried uh, this week. But I've already uh, let everybody know I can that, God willing, there will be a, whatever you call those things in the ground there. Uh, it's, I've got one thing I want there when uh, our grandchildren come and my children come, anybody comes and they look at uh, where I'm buried. I want them to see what my life first is again. 
I want the grandkids to say, now why did Grandpa put that there at his tomb? The verse is, except the Lord build, except the Lord build the house, what does it say? It says, every ounce, every ounce of labor we put into anything will be in vain. We cannot build anything for God. God's got to build through us. Unless he build the house, it can't be done. Unless he build the church, it can't be done. Unless he build the marriage, it can't be done. You can apply it to anything. Everything we got going, God has got to supernaturally enable us. He's got to supernaturally, we have to supernaturally receive from him what we need to be able to build properly. Now, if we're building with wood, hay, and stubble, uh, it says our, our house that we're building will be tested by fire at the judgment seat of Christ. And if we're building with wood, hay, and stubble, and it's very possible as believers that we're, we could be building with those types of materials. If we're building with wood, hay, and stubble, it says every man's work, talking about us as believers, Every man's work will be tested by fire. So when the wood, hay, and the stubble go through the fire, it will be smoke. One of the things I've tried to keep in mind all my journey, uh, the verse where I believe it was Jesus himself, he said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I personally believe there's going to be a lot of shocking un, un, unveiling at the judgment of God. I think uh, all of us are going to see we didn't really see it as clear as we thought. There's going to be an unveiling, and those that thought they were first are going to find out they weren't that far. And those that thought they were last are going to find out they were further than they thought. Uh, we see, right now, we see through a glass dimly, and we dare not draw conclusions about what's going on because only God knows what's really going on inside of us. Uh, all we, you know, man, where does man look? Man looks where? Outward appearance. But God knows the motives of why we do what we do. And so much of the wood and so much of the hay and so much of the stubble is related to our motives. Not what we're doing, but why we do what we're doing. So uh, he says we need to be building as believers with gold, silver, and precious stones. And then when that goes through the fire, the fire refines the gold and the silver and the precious stones so it becomes more pure. You know, you melt the silver down and the debris comes to the surface and you scrape off the debris and then when it hardens, it's pure, more pure than it was from the start. So when God takes you and I through the fire, he's uh, sifting out, trying to sift out of our life what's wood and what's hay and what's stubble and he's trying to purify in our life the real genuine that's there already. Amen? That it might be more pure more like Jesus Christ. Now, with that said, when I looked at uh, Luke 14, 
And it says, count the cost and see if you're able to do this. Well, my immediate conclusion after a few hours of looking at it was, the answer is no, I am not able to do this. I am not able to do this. Now, there is a scripture. To me, if you don't keep coming back to this scripture, the building process won't be properly accomplished because there's a scripture in uh, Colossians that says, in the same way when you first got saved and you first received Christ, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. What does it say? Anybody remember? So walk ye. So now if I don't get it right when I start with Christ, I'm not going to get it right when I continue and I'm not going to get it right in the completion. It's very important to understand repentance, conviction of sin, obedient faith, You must be born again. The gospel message is man cannot save himself. Can we do anything right without God that's going to have eternal value? The answer is no. If I have any confidence in myself, and Jesus is very clear on this, John 15, and by the way, If there's fruit coming in our life, again, the analogy is the same. If we're bearing fruit, is God going to prune us so we bear more fruit? But the Lord said in John 15, he said, without me, what what did he say? Without me, you can do nothing. If I have any confidence, I'm talking about the lowest percentage of confidence you can think of. If I have any confidence in myself, I'm going to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because when you are saved, you recognize God must do the saving. When we are working, uh, we're, we're not working for God. We're cooperating with the work that God is doing. Where is God headed? Where is God moving? What is God up to? We cooperate with him. That's why that uh, definition of faith has helped me a lot. Faith is visualizing. Remember in Hebrews it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And the definition that has helped me a lot is faith is visualizing what God intends to do and then cooperating with God as he accomplishes it. One day the Lord said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Talking about the other side of the lake, other side of Sea of Galilee. They got halfway across and the boat was in the water and the water was in the boat. Jesus was asleep. And the disciples said, Master, don't you care? We are perishing. Now, if I tell you to, uh, sometime this week I will, you need to run an errand to town, you need transportation to town, I say, well, I'll take you to town this week. That may or may not happen. I may make a promise or anybody else may make a promise, but we have a lot of things that we don't have control over that the promise may never be fulfilled. But when God says he's going to do something, God said it, that settles it. 
The Lord Jesus didn't say, let us go halfway across and sink. Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, I'm not going to have time to cover all my points, but I want to spend some time talking about Noah here as soon as I'm done this point. So make sure that I get that point in. The Lord Jesus said, let us go, let us go, let us go where? To the other side. That means he will finish the work if he's the one doing the work. Amen. God doesn't put any question marks about the work he's doing. He says, Jesus said, I will build my church. Notice no pastor can build a church for God. I will build my church and the gates of hell at the highest level will not be able to prevail. Put an exclamation point to it. Put a period to it. Take away the question mark. Now, when we begin this discipleship journey with Christ, this tower building, this character building, this soul building, this conformity to the life of Christ... The Lord Jesus, we have to keep looking to him, looking to him, looking to him. We have to look to him at the beginning. We have to look to him in the continuing. We have to look to him at the completion. The last breath we take, we're going to have to be looking to him. Because he is the foundation. The Lord Jesus is the foundation. But he's also the one doing the building. Looking unto Jesus, what is he? He is the, if I got any faith, where is it coming from? Looking unto Jesus, what is he? He's the author. Now, if I just stopped there, you'd have to have a question mark. But it doesn't stop there. He's the author, and what else is he? He's the finisher. God doesn't start something and leave it unfinished. Years ago, when the Lord was leading Vicky and I uh, to continue to have children, I got all kind of comments from a lot of people. Believe me, I got all kind of comments. One of the ones I got the most was, well, how are you going to pay for this? And I remember in those days they were talking about uh, the government and the mandate, unfunded mandates. And I said, you know, God never gives an unfunded mandate. What God orders, he pays for. Amen? God never calls us to do anything. He's not going to give the provision, the enabling for it to be accomplished. And he's going to get all the glory and all the praise for what's been, what's been uh, done. Unless the Lord build the house, we labor in vain. Now I want to talk about Noah. Noah, this is uh, very important in the day in which we live. I'm talking about the times in which we live. Because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, what did he say? So shall it be when the Lord Jesus returns. Now, in the days of Noah, and this is all had, did Noah begin to build the ark? Did the ark, was the ark able to be built? Okay, so it's, it's tying in with the building. 
God looked at mankind, and in, in, in Genesis 6, it said the thoughts of man were continually evil. Don't ever think we're living in an evil time that God can't handle. Amen? God can handle any evil time. He's already been through this with humanity before. But we need believers, and especially men, and especially fathers, to rise up and to visualize what God intends to do. I believe that every father needs to visualize how to build, allow God to give you the wisdom and the resources and the energy and the capability for you and your family. An ark can be built in these days in which we live. I thought it was hard enough in the days and age in which we were bringing up our children. It's very challenging days ahead. But God, listen, God's truth, God's truth, what, it, what does God say about His truth? His truth endures. There's no question mark. There's no question mark to it. But it's going to require us understanding God's building program. Now, quite frankly, if God had asked me to build an ark, I'd say, God, you got the wrong person. I know a little bit about electricity, but, you know, carpentry and all that stuff. He said, no, I got the right person. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. And I'm I'm speaking for every person, every believer. I'm particularly speaking to every father. This is a day that we need to, um, first of all, for building to take place properly, whether it's a tower or a house or an ark, for building to take place uh, properly, you have to start with grace. Now, there's a law of first mention uh, that helps you understand the Bible. If you're trying to understand something in the Bible, if you can find out the first time in the Bible it's mentioned the first time in the Bible it's mentioned is the key to help you understand it's mentioned in other places the first time it's mentioned in the Bible there's a lot of wisdom there that helps you to interpret that word in other places where's the first place that grace is mentioned in the Bible what every father needs if the building program for marriage, home, and family is to take place properly. It says that Noah found, what did he find? He found grace, and where did he find it? He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, there's a difference between looking to God's hand. There's a difference between looking to his hand and looking to his eyes. What did the psalmist say? He said, he said, thy face, Lord. What did he say? 
Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says that all believers with unveiled face. That means there's, you don't have to go through the pastor, you don't have to go through a priest, you don't have to go through any mediator. Jesus Christ has made it possible through his redemption and his salvation and his atonement for every believer to have a direct connect with God. Unveiled face. I'm telling you, fathers need to look into the eyes of the Lord. The reason why I mention this is I believe that the hope of any nation is based on what is happening in the home and especially with the fathers who understand the type of thing I'm preaching on right now. In uh, the Old Testament, uh, Malachi, last book of the Old Testament. By the way, this is not just for fathers, this is for grandfathers. Right? Right, Joel? <laughs> Teach these things to your children and to your children's children. We're talking about God wants the blessing in the family to go into the generations, right? So don't think your job is done after they're out of the home. You know, job's not done yet. In Malachi, it says, before the Lord Jesus returns, God will turn the heart of fathers to children. Understanding children and God's kingdom is critical to the building program of God. Remember Jesus said, let the little children come unto me. Even the apostles thought this was a distraction. He said, let the little children come unto me. What What did Jesus say about it? For of such is the kingdom of God. Now Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So, Children and kingdom are intricately connected to the kingdom of God. In the Psalms, it says, out of the mouth of babes, out of the mouth of babes, what has God ordained? Strength. I used to talk about, you know, when you have lots of children, you've got lots of mess at your house. Anybody discovered that? I don't know how many times I like to fail and broke my neck walking through my own house. Or I stepped on something, I said, oh, that hurt. And the Lord reminded me, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. Now, I'm not calling my kids oxen. But I can tell you right now, it says, much increase is by the strength of the ox. And if you want to get the strength from God, you got to have the complete vision of God. The complete understanding of God, of what God's up to. Where is he headed? What does he want to accomplish it? How does he want to do it? It's God's building program. If we follow his pattern, follow his plan, he can do great and mighty things. God will turn the hearts of the children, the hearts of the father to children, and he will turn the hearts of the children to their father. Now, children need the affirmation of their dad. 
Proverbs says the glory of children is their father. And fathers, all of us fathers need to understand how to properly give affirmation and really work at it. I mean, prayerfully work at it. If we want God's building, what God's building to be accomplished. Because we are professionals at seeing what's wrong. We are professionals at walking past 15 things that we could affirm and seeing the one thing that's negative. And I'm telling you, children need affirmation from their fathers and their grandfathers. And so that's why when I see my grandchildren, is any of them here? They're in junior church. I want to hug my grandchildren when I see them. I want them to know Grandpa loves you. Grandpa cares about you. You're important. You're significant. There's something powerful going on through you. It's one of the most powerful things you can do for anybody in life is give affirmation to them. Everybody needs it. But sons and daughters especially need it from their father and from the grandfathers. And God says when that's taking place, the building program that he has established, he says uh, the curse, back to Malachi, the curse will not be able to come. Fathers in the home accomplishing the building program of God will hinder the curse in the domain of where you live and the domain of what you are establishing as to the kingdom of God and the ways of God. The only way the curse can be hindered is for us to cooperate with God's building program. And it's all leading up to the Lord Jesus coming back again. The Lord Jesus coming back again. Now, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What is grace? Grace is when God gives us the desire to do his will and God gives us the power to do his will. I don't know of any father that feels capable of fulfilling the responsibility that God's given him. It's impossible. It's just like the Christian life. It's impossible to live up to the Christian life. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So whether it's us as believers or whether it's us as fathers, it can be done when God's doing the work. And we uh, understand, uh, you remember how Paul talked about grace be what? Grace be multiplied unto you. How much grace do we need from God? Constant, constant. What does it say in Corinthians? God is able to make all grace abound always in everything to you that you would be constantly able to get uh, the job that would be able to be done through you. Amen? It's the grace of God. We labor in the grace of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I am what I am. Anything that's happening, if it's of God, I am what I am by what? The grace of God. Salvation is by the grace of God. The works that God is doing by the grace of God. And so... All of us are building. If I said to you, now listen, when you leave the church building today, you can opt out of breathing oxygen. You don't have to breathe oxygen anymore. 
You say, Pastor Cook, where is your mind? You know good and well we can't opt out of breathing oxygen. Well, you cannot opt out of God's building program. It's either got to be built God's way or it can't be built. God talked, Jesus talked about two men building their house. And Jesus said, if you build your house on my truth and my word, he said, guaranteed, guaranteed, the uh, rain will descend, the floods will come, and the wind will blow. You don't have to worry about the storms coming, they will be there. The only question is, when the storms of life come, will your house be able to stand? And if we're building on the truth of God's word, there's no question mark to it. If we're laboring in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no question mark to it. Amen. There's no question mark to it. Philippians 1 says, when he begins a good work in a person's life, what does it say in Philippians 1? He finishes it. God's in the finishing business. He's in the starting business. He's in the continuing business. But it's all about abiding in the life of Jesus, abiding in the life of Jesus, because we can't do it. We we can't do it. But our Lord Jesus Christ can. Now, I just want to finish with this illustration, and I'll be done. To me, going through life is like walking on the water. And I believe God's called every one of us to walk on the water, not just Peter. By the way, Peter didn't walk on the water until he said, Lord, if that's you out there, bid me come unto you. He didn't walk out there until the Lord bid him come out there. Amen? We're not, you know, the devil said, cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. God will give his angels charge over you. Make sure what you're doing is the will of God in your life. Amen? If it's the will of God in your life, God will sustain you. He'll sustain you. Now, first step uh, Peter took out of the boat, did it require faith? Did it require him to keep his eyes focused on Christ? How about the second step? How about the third step? How about the 15th step? How about the 50th step? We never take a step in life and move forward in what God's up to if we don't stay in fellowship with our eyes on Jesus Christ. Worship of Him. Praise of Him. Thanks of Him. Looking to Him. Abiding in Him. The Lord said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can go to prayer. You can pray your prayer. I know you'll be praying according to my word. I'll answer the prayer. The Father will be glorified and you will prove to be my what? My disciples. That's how it works. So, you say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say in these times in which we live, we need to be encouraged. We need to be uh, uh, filled with absolute confidence of what God is doing, what God is building. God's moving forward. The path of the just is like a shining light, shines more and more until what? The perfect day. God's moving. He's moving forward. 
He's got a plan. He's working his plan, and none can stay his hand. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your building program. Thank you for before there was an Israel and before there was a church, you started with a family. And I thank you, God, that any nation anywhere in the world can be powerfully impacted if we as parents and especially as fathers can visualize what you intend to do and cooperate with you in the work you are doing. Lord, in that same chapter where my life first comes from, it talks about uh, the sons and daughters will speak with your enemies in the gate. It talks about the, the sons and daughters and the grandsons and the granddaughters being able to have a powerful impact in the world, even with your enemies being overcome. Lord, help us to visualize what you intend to do in this world, not by political means, but by your kingdom, your power, and your glory. Lord, give us spiritually discerning faith, I pray. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.